Happy Sunday, folks. Welcome to the Wagme Fantasy Football Podcast. Follow us on our TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook, all our socials at the handle at Wagme Fantasy. Give our website a visit. That is wagmefantasy.com. Nick Musto, it's good to be next to you. Yes, it is. I'm glad to be back. Been a been a minute since we've had a podcast. We had the holiday weekend. Um, happy fourth to everybody belated, but yeah, excuse our absence. Um, I ventured out of Pittsburgh, visited some college friends. Um, I don't really feel apologetic about it. I had a great time and yeah, that's what the 4th of July weekend is meant for. It's meant to have fun, whether it's with your friends or family, but we're back in office. And today we are going to talk about running back comparisons. What do we mean by that? Um, we're going to talk about guys going pretty much back to back, maybe a spot or two apart from each other um, that you're going to be faced with the decision. Do I want, for example, one comp that we have is Najee and Joe Mixon. Um, So we're going to be laying the land for an argument for each of those guys. Um, And I think that's a good one to start with. It's the first one we have listed. Yeah, we're pretty indifferent about it. Um, Since your guy's the higher ADP guy, go ahead and back up uh, Najee Harris. Okay, so last year we have a sample of Najee Harris, 381 touches, um, highest snap share in the league at 85%, 10 touchdowns, 74 catches with 94 targets, uh, was uh, in first place for catches as well. Um, Najee Harris received an absurd workload just looking at those numbers, and I know there's been a lot of offseason talk about him not being on the field as much. He said it himself in an interview that he that's, that's just talk. I think it's just talk. Um, and even if that's the case, second place for Snapchat was 69%. So even if he was off the field for 10% um, less uh, plays than he was last year, he's going to finish first again. So I don't see that as much of an issue with Najee. Yes. A lot of what his value came from was volume, but he's still going to get a lot of volume on this offense. Um, I think a lot of people are projecting this offense to be better as well with O-line improvements and a quarterback improvement. So 10 touchdowns um, with a bad offense last year, um, definitely could see that improving. Hopefully he gets into the teens. I definitely don't see the offense necessarily improving. And the line, yeah, they signed a guy or two, but it's going to go from putrid to bad. So that's those are my two hindrances with Najee Harris is that like do these circumstances around him really improve not really so you don't think with an improved O-line and I don't think it's that improved I think they signed a below average starting center and below average starting guard yeah but there were also two rookies on the O-line last year with hopefully more I think it'll go rookie starting at center it'll it'll go from like what was it 27th or 26th best in the league to about like 22 maybe um but yeah, I guess they, they did what they could with the offensive line. But the quarterback play, I've heard this argument be made in favor of Najee and made against him. Um, I am indifferent. I think it, it's not gonna it's not gonna get worse than Big Ben. Uh, as for downfield throwing, he couldn't throw to save his life. He had a noodle arm. Um, Do I think Mitch Trubisky brings a rocket cannon arm? No, by all means, no. I think there's two routes it could take. Yeah, there won't be. Big Ben used, he threw a lot of dump downs, a lot of check downs to Najee. And I think that that may change. He may get a little less in the receiving game this year. Um, But I think that that could result in more scoring opportunities if the offense is a little more aggressive, maybe finds himself in the red zone more. 
um, he could have an opportunity to cancel out those um, the decrease in catches with uh, a rise in touchdowns. I'm cold towards the Pittsburgh offense in general, and I think rightfully so. They got one of the, one of the bleakest options at quarterback. Not the worst by all means. I mean, Mitch Trubisky's solid, serviceable back, serviceable backup, and Kenny Pickett could be the future. Um, but again, I'm cold towards the Pittsburgh offense, which is why if I was given the draft situation of deciding between Najee and Joe Mixon, I would take Joe Mixon because he is in that higher powered offense. The offense is too powerful just to focus on Joe too. I mean, look at the weapons around him in Cincinnati. You have Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins. I'm at the receiving end of Joe Burrow's elite arm. And I think like Pittsburgh, Cincinnati had a terrible offensive line last year. However, Cincinnati did much more to make that an improvement over the offseason. They signed Leo Collins, Alex Kappa, and Ted Karras. Completely new right side of the line. And look, Joe Mixon scored 16 touchdowns last year in a powerhouse offense. That only got better. Um, he's a dominant red zone back. He dominated the shares, rightfully so. Um, again, I feel like this offense is too powerful for Mixon to really decline. He finished as RB4 last year. He averaged 18 points per game, 0.3 more per game than Najee. I could see, I, I'm, again, as we said, we're indifferent to these uh, selections. Um, they're going back to back with each other. I could see game script being somewhat of a downfall of Joe Mixon this year, um, not needing to use him because the team is going to be that good. They're going to unleash Joe Burrow for the entire season, as opposed to last year, where it was basically the last five games of the year that he was really um, allowed to just chuck it to Jamar Chase and T Higgins constantly. Um, so I could see that being an issue with Joe. I don't see these are, they're both in two different situations. One great offense, Joe Mixon should, re, should um, result in a lot of touchdowns for him. Najee Harris is debatably the best player on that offense for the Steelers. So he's going to still receive a ton of volume. So really it comes down to what do you prefer um, touchdown volatility, volatility or um, volume. I don't and, think Joe's touchdown reliant though. Um, he's definitely not touchdown reliant. He had one of the highest volumes in the league. He had 292 carries, 42 catches, I believe off the top of my noggin. Uh, very few running backs can average 20 touches a game and Joe Mixon's one of them, which is why I, I would lean towards Joe Mixon over Najee Harris. But for the record, when I went through my when I went back to the AFC North projections, I do have Najee Harris outscoring Joe Mixon on the air by one point six points. That's how close they are for me. Yeah, I think we can move on to the next uh, debate we have here, and that's I'm Team Joe Najee in the in the back half of the first round. If you're at the even seventh or eighth overall, you don't you're past Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup. I'd take Joe over Najee. Um, let's go can, down. Can Joe build a snowman? Why is that a question? You didn't in the author in over winter. Uh, there's a video of Najee building a snowman. Oh, that no. was pretty popular. I must have missed he built it. it on the field. <laughs> so say we go through the first round and we're at the back half of the second round, maybe even early third round. These are two running backs going back to back. Um, Saquon Barkley, RB 14 off the board on average, James Connor, RB 15. I side with James Conner here. He scored 16 of his 18 touchdowns within the red zone. 
and he had 44 touch, touches inside the red zone, completely dominated that area of the field. Yes, he's due for touchdown regression, but by how much? Because he he was their guy. I mean, nobody, no other running back. Chase Edmonds didn't even compare with the amount of touches he got when they got close. Connor had, um, let's see, he had, I believe, like 18 carries within the five-yard line, and 10 or 11 of them went for touchdowns. Arizona struggled to finish off touchdowns. They had the 15th best touchdown rate inside the red zone. And James Conner was practically the only guy that could finish, could hammer the door, uh, which is why, like, I don't really think he's going to regress that much in the touchdown category. I think 12 to 14 is very reasonable, um, but don't really see a world where he scores less than 10 as long as if he's healthy. Yeah, I don't I don't see him scoring less than 10 either. Um, the main concern with James Conner is he is very injury prone and uh, last year averaged 3.7 yards per carry. Um, which is not something that you really want out of your possibly RB2, depending RB1, depending on how you draft, uh, most likely, hopefully your RB2, for me personally, at least. If you're going zero RB, he could be an RB1. Yeah, and comparing him to another guy that could be in that situation for you is Saquon Barkley. Um, I think we were all hesitant about Barkley to start this offseason. Nobody wanted to touch him. It's been a pitiful last two years for him. Um, on and off the field, injury, inefficient. Um, he also averaged 3.7 yards per carry last year, but he was on and off the field, so he was not at full health. Um, this year, I've I've kind of taken more of a liking to Saquon. Um, he's said um, publicly that he feels better than he has in years and that he has something to prove this year. He is playing for a contract in 2023. I was about to say, that's why he's saying yeah. that. <laughs> he needs to he – needs to, really show that he is the guy for New York or for any other team that really wants to make a big deal with him. Um, big thing about the Giants is they've improved their O-line with Evan Neal, um, Lemieux, and Glowinski. Um, two interesting names there, Polish and a French guy. Um, so with the better O-line now, uh, I saw that the Giants are calling it the they're saying that they're bringing nasty back. That's how they're referring to their O-line, which I could see it. If an improved O-line is what is going to spur Barkley into that top running back um, debate again, then I'm all for it. Um, He's been inefficient over the past two years, unhealthy, um, but this guy's a generational talent. um, And there's been talk in the coaching staff through um, Kafka that they're going to uh, increase his receiving load, which is only beneficial for fantasy. Um, if he, if he can really get back to that receiving workload, as well as an improved O-line, hopefully being able to get through the tackles more easily. I need to um, believe I need to see it, to believe it with the offensive line. Yeah. I think that's the case with any O-line every year. There's O-lines that, yes. yeah, every year there's O-lines that say they're improved and sometimes they are, and sometimes they aren't. So it really just depends on what what situation you're at. I wouldn't take Barkley as my RB1. I'd be more prone to take Connor as my RB1. But if I already have an Eckler or a CMC, I'm going to take Saquon over James Connor as my RB2 because the upside for Barkley just surpasses James Connor by a very large he, amount. He does Barkley, Saquon Barkley does present a ton of upside just because of the talent he is as you mentioned in the receiving workload but I feel like James Conner is a guy I mean he finished as RB5 in 15 games last year and without DeAndre Hopkins on the field he averaged 22 points per game um, 
D hop's going to be missing those first six games. They're going to have vacated targets. There's no Christian Kirk. There's Hollywood Brown instead. Um, but look, there's no Chase Edmonds. That's a big, that's the um, epitome of this conversation is James Conner no longer has the 53 targets from Chase Edmonds to, to forfeit. And James Conner had that 95% catch rate last year. It suggests that he can handle that receiving workload. And look, Daryl Williams, yes, he was signed uh, to the Arizona backfield, but they don't really want him. They signed him for depth and they signed him for as cheap as they could get him. Daryl Williams has to worry about Eno Benjamin before taking touches away from Connor. Chase Edmonds had 159 touches last year. I would probably estimate Daryl Williams and Eno Benjamin to combine to go just north of that. I like James Connor a lot, even though he's touched on reliant. Um, those he's he's as solid as can be for your RB2. I think he's got a safe floor with the really with his, even though he's touch on dependent, his floor is very safe because he catches a couple passes a game and because he's gonna find the end zone once a game. I mean, he scored 18 touchdowns in 15 games. Again, he's the guy that finishes off the drive for Arizona. They're a high-powered offense. I like indicators that James Conner is going to be an elite running back. Another guy like going back to back with these two, um, Leonard Fournette. Personally, I'd prefer Fournette over both of them. For um, sure. He's yeah, he's going to receive an insane amount of volume without Gronk and Godwin for however long Godwin's going to be absent. So if you're really looking in that range, if Fournette's there, he's the guy to take. You can but. throw Aaron Jones' name in there, but I think Jones is a little ahead, earlier ahead of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Fournette over top of both of them. I would like James. I guess it, it really does depend on the draft. I I would say six times out of ten, I expect James Conner to outscore Saquon Barkley on the year. Four times out of ten, I expect Saquon to outscore James Conner. If I'm choosing my RB1, I like James Conner due to the safety um, of his role. And if we're talking about injury history, history Saquon Barkley imposes a much bigger threat to demise than James Conner. So if he's my RB1, I like James Conner. If he's my RB2, I might take on more upside with Saquon. Yeah, I agree. I think that the difference between the two will be small, but um, the chance for Barkley to really outscore James Conner is just, if as your RB2, I think that's hard to pass up in that it situation. Is there. I, th- I think both are very volatile and ambiguous. Yeah. We'll, we'll say, wow, that was a struggle to get out of my mouth there. Uh, so yeah. We're outside the top 15 running backs now who are two guys that we disagree on uh, late third round. Who's your guy? Um, so RB 18 and RB 19 off the board, David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs. Sorry. I said your guy too. My guy's David Montgomery here. Um, he's been an RB 12 and an RB six in his last two seasons. Um, he always finishes higher than what he's projected. Uh, and that is going to happen again as he's projected as the R- as he's going as the RB18. He's going to finish higher than that. I don't see a world where he finishes outside of RB15. There's there's just not 15 running backs better than D- David Montgomery. And I know his situation isn't glamorous. He's on a bad team with a bad offense. But I could see a few a world where Justin Fields really takes his the next step. Um Reports out of training or reports out of practice there that um, Fields looks a lot better than he did last year, that he's really improved. His um, decision making has improved. Uh, it's also there have also been reports about him running more, too. So that um, 
it does take a little bit away from Montgomery, but also not. It makes the defense focus on um, a mobile quarterback, and that will open up Montgomery to um, uh, be less focused on by the defense when in those schemes. Um, with Fields last year, 4.75 4. um, targets per game with Fields. Those are great numbers for a guy who really wasn't um, excelling in the receiving game and in his first uh, in his first two seasons. Um, but once Fields came up, came onto the field, um, he really received more targets, a lot of checkdowns, which is a good thing for fantasy running backs. Um, and I think that an another debate to, to be had with Dave Montgomery is the Khalil Herbert talk. Um, he was good when um, Montgomery was in uh, was off the field, but as will any running back as any running back will be that he will be good because there was no one else to hand the ball to when Khalil Herbert was on the field. It was Khalil Herbert's show. So when you're getting a ton of volume, you're going to put up good fantasy numbers. Um, Not a guarantee. No, but it's more likely. And um, when Dave Montgomery's on the field, he is more efficient than Khalil Herbert was. And the team has also said that Dave Montgomery is their guy. So I believe that the work share will be his and Khalil Herbert shouldn't be a concern when drafting him. I love Dave Montgomery as my RB2 if I'm putting off my second running back for a little bit. Um, and they have the best running back strength of schedule in the NFL, the Bears do. So that's also something to look forward to, to when picking a later round guy. Too bad they'll be losing a lot and they can't run it with David Montgomery because because they are down. Yeah. I like Josh Jacobs here. If I'm going to draft, I'm going to take Josh Jacobs every time he finally has that receiving floor. Um, I did talk to Conan Gruen in the previous podcast episode and he expects that that receiving final bottom line of 54 receptions was an outlier from Josh Jacobs. I don't really think that I think he's a starting running back and, uh, air raid offense and they're going to utilize them. And will he lose a couple targets because Devonte Adams is in town now? Sure. But it's still going to provide a nice floor. He's going to average two and a half catches per game. Josh Jacobs is a great running back. Nobody wants to admit it. He's had seven plus touchdowns in every year of his career. They declined his fifth year option despite this. And now he's in his money season and I like that because it, it motivates a player like Saquon Barkley. It motivates a player to ball out simply like they, they're playing for their next contract. They have a shitty year. They are going to make a tenth of the money they would make if they have a career high year. Josh Jacobs is in an improved offense. And with Josh McDaniels, Las Vegas is going to improve from their 29th best red zone efficiency. Uh, obviously, they're going to improve just because. Devontae Adams is in there, and now they have three big possessive receivers when they get close. But Josh McDaniels knows how to finish off drives in New England. New England has historically been a really efficient offense. Um, you look at Damian Harris last year, he had, what, 15 touchdowns on the ground, I believe? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, Josh Jacobs is somebody that's had seven-plus touchdowns every year, and they're going to get close to the goal line, and what are they going to do? They're going to need to punch it in. And Josh Jacobs is that guy. I think he provides upside to be a top eight to 10 running back. Do I think he's going to finish that high? Yeah, I'm going to double down. I like Josh Jacobs a lot this year. So who is it in the backfield now in uh, Las Vegas? It's hard to remember so like six names. There's, there's Amir Abdullah. There's Jacobs. Abdullah is going to be cut. Like okay. he, he, yeah, I mean, he surfaces around. Zamir White was drafted yeah, out of Zemir Georgia. White to be the backup, I guess. He's a fourth-round pick. Yeah. I don't know. They didn't invest a whole lot. 
and him, and I believe he's coming off a torn ACL. And then, and then Ken Kenyon Drake is there. Um, he's he was on the team the last year or two, yeah. and he hasn't really done much since getting there. And who else do they have? Brandon Bolden. But Brandon, Brandon Bolden, Bolden j- yeah. just comes over with Josh McDaniels, and Bolden's going to serve as a special teams um, specialist. So I think it's Josh Jacobs' backfield. I think he nobody's even close to the, the same talent as him. He's a good running back. He passes the eye test. David Montgomery is too. They're both good running backs who have been stuck on mediocre to bad teams. Um, That being said, Josh Jacobs is in the better offense this year. If you look at where we agree and disagree, I've chosen three guys that are in the better offense and you've chosen three guys that are in the offense that's in dire need of their. So yeah, you've taken the guys that are going to have more chances to do good with more touchdown opportunity. And which is, I mean, the no, hate on that it's a great take i mean more touchdowns is a good thing um and i'm taking the volume plays and i get that not all the volume that they get will be good volume but it is volume in its own damn straight so i'm team joe mixon josh jacobs james connor we are going to do our fourth top 24 running back debate here and this one's a lot of people are going to agree with you on your side I hate your side. I want so no do problem. I in a little bit of ways, but um, I have a nice little note. So we're comparing Antonio Gibson. He's coming off the board at RB21. He's been slipping. He was right around RB15 following the end of last year. And now Brees Hall, the rookie for the New York Jets, he's going directly after Gibson. But look, Antonio Gibson is like a gift card on your birthday. You wish it was money, but it will do. Mm. He's finished as an RB12 and RB10 to start off his career. Uh, There's talks of backfield committee, which is present. It's not talks. It's the actual reality of the situation. That's been dampening his value. You have J.D. McKissick, the passing specialist backfield or back the receiving back wow uh brian robinson was drafted in the third round to be that uh bruiser they call him quote unquote but look antonio gibson is still the lead back in a run dominant offense you have carson wentz in there his inability to throw down field and accurately is going to double down on the strength of the washington commander's offense their offensive line is a backbone to this offense Gibson's history in the offense and his rushing prowess. I mean, he's 6'2", 225, and Brian Robinson's youth. I mean, there's a lot that's going to keep Antonio Gibson on the field, and there has to be a couple catalysts to get him off the field. He does have fumbling issues. Could Brian Robinson steal his goal line work? I, that's what they say, but I don't think so. So um, I guess it, I, it'll be interesting to see how he fits into the the offense, but Antonio Gibson at RB 21, I think we're starting to undervalue him a little harshly. Maybe I need to catch up with the status quo and hate on him, but go ahead, defend your guy. Um, So I think that Antonio Gibson, like there's a couple types of gift cards you could get. And I think he's like a subway gift card or. Hey man, like, that's, that's like a three feel free foot longs or something like that. I guess I'd much prefer an Amazon gift card, which is kind of where I'd put Brees Hall. But um, yeah, fifth best strength of schedule for running backs um, heading into the year. Um, there's finally what we think is a three down back in uh, New York, well, New Jersey. Um, 
and he will take the goal line work for this team. Michael Carter is not the goal line guy. He never was. He never will be. He's small, undersized. He's a good um, passing down back, I guess, occasionally. But um, Brees Hall was exceptional in the receiving game in college. I think it was 85 catches in three years, which is pretty good for college numbers. Um, he's 5'11", 217. He's, he, he fits the mold of a bell cow running back. And I think that's exactly what he could offer. I don't think he's a three down back. Michael Carter is going to assist him. Actually, no, Tyler Johnson and Michael Carter are going to assist him on third downs and the receiving workload. I, um, well, JD McKissick was brought back to the commanders. Um, so I do worry about the receiving game for Antonio Gibson as he hasn't been exceptional in, um, catching the ball um in his two years in the nfl but people say that but he's averaged 39 catches through his first two years each season like he had 36 his rookie year when jd mckissick had 110 targets yeah. far and away the most in the league and then last year he had 42 when mckissick came out he only had three games without multiple catches in them even with mckissick dominating the air share i, I think that narrative is twisted on antonio gibson it may be I'd like to see it this year with what what I think is a better quarterback than what Gibson has had the last two years to see who gets the catches. Barely. And, oh, I, Wentz is better than Heineke. Barely. I, I, I guess you can have that take, but I, I'll stand on that island alone, I guess. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about McKissick. I'm a little bit worried about Brian Robinson, and I'm a little bit worried about Antonio Gibson. I don't see myself spending that high of a pick. I just see more volume going towards Brees Hall than uh, Gibson. And with the strength of schedule, uh, fifth best strength schedule for Brees Hall, I love that too. I hope Antonio Gibson continues to get disrespected because I too was an Antonio Gibson hater for a long time. Um, but no, I'm switching to the dark side. I hope he falls outside the top 25 running backs. The reports are that Brian Robinson looks really good just for him to fall on my lap as my RB3. What's his actual ADP like overall? Like Overall, he's starting to go to the mid-30s, mid-30s. like right, right okay. around Ezekiel Elliott, yeah. which is honestly absurd because he was going as like a top 15 pick. Yeah, I mean, you got to think he, he he's finished as an RB1 each of his first two years, people. I think Javante should fall down to there. He could. There's no way. No, he won't. He, he can't, but uh, he should. So these uh, th- we're probably going to do more of these as time gets closer and the ADPs get stretched out. Running back comparisons, because when you're on the clock and you're deciding, especially in the first four rounds, like who your starting running backs are going to be, you got to get them right. And so when we do these, we're trying we're trying to present the case for both of them and let you decide. Um, sometimes our persuasion is better than the others. Um, but ultimately, it's like to each their own. Yeah. We saw I tend to like higher powered offenses um, leading to more goal line opportunity. Nick likes the upside of having an empty empty offense and reliance on the running back. So I guess that's our difference. Um, yeah. And as Colin said there, you can, you can miss on your first uh, two running backs. You don't want to miss on your first two running and backs. It will you can find receivers later. Running backs are extremely important. you got to get those first couple picks, right? Settle that backfield down. It will hurt. All right. We're going to, we're going to cap this off. We'll save more of these comparisons for later. Follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, 
at Wagme Fantasy. Go to our website, www.wagmefantasy.com. Catch up on our blog content. All our YouTube videos are accessible right there, along with the podcast episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to Winning with Wagme, the number one newsletter in fantasy football. That's what I'm calling it right now. All right, folks, have a good one.